When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This program is a paid commercial announcement and in no way represents the views of WPHT or its management. This is Women to Watch. To rise above all of the noise and fulfill every last one of your dreams. Women to Watch, sharing the real stories of the most accomplished women in the world. It is for those frightened children who want peace. It is for those voiceless children who want change. Be inspired by women from across the globe who are encouraging more women to pursue their dreams. True philanthropy comes from living from the heart of yourself and giving what you have been given. Now, Women to Watch. Here's your host, Sue Rocco. Good evening, everyone, and thank you so much for tuning in to another week of Women to Watch here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. My name is Sue Rocco, and we have a great show for you lined up tonight. We're going to be hearing from um, Tiffany Couch, who is CEO and founder of Acuity Forensics. And we will also be hearing from our watch team throughout the show. So be sure to stay with us during the breaks. Um, You'll be getting some important information um, from Dr. Marianne Ritchie for our Health Watch. Carol Weinman for our Legal Watch, and Holly Dowling for our Leadership Watch. And as we gain more and more listeners every week, I'd love to get your feedback on the show and hear from you. So be sure to reach out to me at susan at womentowatch.net, and that's women, the number two, watch.net, N-E-T. So we're going to get started right off the bat with our very special guest, again, Tiffany Couch, the founder and CEO of Acuity Forensics. Welcome to the show, Tiffany. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm excited to be here. Well, I'm excited to have you. And, you know, when I was kind of doing my homework and and research and looking uh, around at your background and your bio, I have so many questions. I think what you do is really <laughs> is really cool. Um, but we'll get the real story from you about your, your day-to-day. And uh, I understand you grew up in Corcoran, California. And I love how you described that as growing up in Mayberry. <laughs> Tell me what you meant by that. Sure. It was a it was the it was a very small town, an, an agricultural community, literally two stoplights. And uh, I grew up. I'm an eighty, you know, seventies and eighties child. But even as recently as as the nineteen seventies and nineteen eighties, it was a place where everybody knew everybody else. Um, even as a high school student in the early nineties, I could go into a grocery store or pull up, you know, pull up at the gas station, and I would just tell them, "I'm Gary LeMay's daughter," and, and I didn't even have to tell them because they already knew. And you know, uh, mom and mom and dad would get the bill at the end of the month. It was truly a place wow. where um, everybody knew everybody else. So, did that make you want to venture out beyond that small town? I always wanted to get out. 
I, I always felt a little claustrophobic, like, well, how come everybody knows everything? I, I want to be my own person. Right. <laughs> and so I, I did not want to be one of the people that stayed. Um, and my dad encouraged that, but I, I, it was not in my personality to, to remain there. Yeah, you know, there's a term we use, latchkey kid uh, or latchkey childhood growing up in those times. And there's probably pros and cons to both. Uh, did it? Do you feel it, it added towards your independence? Oh, absolutely. We, my, my parents both worked. It was that era where mom, a lot of the moms worked, and mine worked full-time throughout the entire year. So we really were, um, you know, as we got old enough, able to stay home on our own on days where they worked or after school. And so you, you, you had to be, and we didn't have iPads and iPhones and computers, right? So you had to be, um, you had to be a little bit creative and um, fill your time with interesting things to do um, that didn't always include, you know, watching more TV. Right. That's right. So tell me, what? How would you describe the difference between the parenting style of those days and today? Where I would say, you know, parents today are. are overly involved in in their children and their day-to-day activities. And uh, I, too, grew up as you did. So we were kind of left to our own (laughs) advices. Yes, yes. And, you know, how would you describe the difference? Um, You know, I, I... I think the difference is that there might be a little bit guilt of guilt involved, and so um, maybe they are just so afraid. That some of these parents are so afraid that they were left alone that they don't want their kids to be left alone. Um, I see it a lot. I'm a mother of two boys. We tend to be a little bit more old school style parenting, um, but but we see a lot of our friends uh, or our kids as friends whose parents are just. Um, I call them the helicopter parents, right? They're, yes. they're still, even if, even though our children are all teenagers, they're still, um, you know, making all of their appointments and putting them in all of these activities. And it's always go, go, go. And um, I don't know. I, I, it's, it's interesting. It's very, it is very different than the way we grew up. It is. Um, you, you also spoke about um, you, you spent K through six, I guess, in a private school and then in seventh grade went on to a public school. And yes. uh, you remember some bullying. You know, you were bullied. I wanted to know why. Was that just because you came from a private school? So it was interesting. Um, my parents sent us to a private school out of town, so we would have to drive the bus every day, Um, but they wanted us to have a more normal high school experience because that private school was a really small high school, so there wasn't a lot of sports or dances or all the things that a a typical high school experience provides a kid, and so they thought, well, you know, that's going to be a tough transition as a freshman in high school. We should transition these kids in junior high, Um, and so... I, I walked in to seventh grade probably two to three years ahead of those kids in terms of academics. Mm. Um, I also have red hair, freckles, glasses. I mean, I have all of the, you know, and I'm left-handed. Oh, no. <laughs> um, oh, my you know, gosh. So it, it's just funny. And so yeah. um, I, I, it was your, you, I will also tell you, and this is a big part of how I grew up, in my, in my, small town and my high school graduating class was 88% Hispanic. 
All right. So I walked in. As they called me the schoolgirl, uh, which meant you were smart. You're little Miss Smarty Pants. You're the white girl. Um, you, you had all of that kind of going on at a t- period of time where we all know how difficult it is to be a seventh grader, a middle oh schooler. Oh, right? it's, it's the worst. Um, <laughs> right. It's the worst. It's and the then, worst. you know, you put on top of it somebody who who's really academically far ahead. And I'm sure I wanted to show that off. And so I'm sure, um, you know, I, I just didn't even know how to fit in. And those kids were so different than the kids that I had grown up with in school. Mm-hmm. Right? Some of them were my friends already from the neighborhood. But there were so many. It was just so different. Um, and it was a huge huge challenge. I went from trying to be different to trying to be like them, um, which got me into all kinds of trouble. And then I realized, oh, I can just be myself, right? By the time I got to high school, I kind of had that figured out. Wow. Well, kudos to you if you figured that out in high school, because of course, that's what we we talk about that on the show all the time, trying to um, let young girls know that being smart is cool. And uh, I think, yeah, one of the biggest mistakes we make is trying to fit in and be like everyone else when really it's our originality that, you know, that's our superpower. Correct. And we can be original and be ourselves and still be inclusive of other people. And the each, the two do not have to be exclusive of each other. That's right. Listen, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, I want to find out how you went from your love of English to um, going into accounting. And stay with us during the break. Uh, You're going to hear from our Health Watch by Dr. Mary Ann Ritchie. Be right back. Now, the Women to Watch Health Watch. From Jefferson University Hospital, I'm Dr. Mary Ann Ritchie. Summertime. We know to protect our skin with sunscreen, but most people don't realize that ultraviolet rays from the sun also damage your eyes. Each time we're in the sun without protection, we could be adding damage. A Vision Council survey in 2014 showed the national average for wearing sunglasses is only 27%. Damage accumulates from childhood. Long term, we can develop cataracts, which are cloudy lenses blurring our vision. Macular degeneration, or damage of the retina, is the leading cause of blindness in the U.S. Pterygium is a small growth on the white area of your eye, which can change the shape and give you astigmatism. And you can get cancers, including melanoma of the eye. So everyone should wear sunglasses, children through seniors, add a hat with a broad brim for extra protection. The American Academy of Ophthalmology recommends sunglasses labeled 100% UV protection with blocking both UVA and UVB rays. Neither color nor darkness correspond to the amount of protection. Wraparound glasses, wide lenses over the entire eye, protect your eyelids and the tender area around your eyes as well. Even on a cloudy day, UV rays can pass through clouds and haze, just like a sneaky sunburn. And if you wear UV-blocking contact lenses, you still need sunglasses. Sunglasses, especially at the pool or the beach where sun is reflected off the water, and for skiers, sun is reflected off the snow, especially in high altitudes. Risks apply also to UV lights in tanning beds, evil tanning beds. And remember, treat yourself like a diva. If you don't take care of yourself, nobody else will. Do you have a financial advisor who you trust that looks at you as more than just a number? At the Foley Hillsley Group, that person is Kristen Hillsley. Kristen's team has a different approach to managing your wealth called the Panorama Process. This unique process helps you obtain your financial goals easily because it's more than just investments, it's about you. 
To learn more, visit their website at fhbaird.com or call 610-238-6636. The Foley Hilsey Group is affiliated with Robert W. Baird & Company, Incorporated Member SIPC. Log on to fhbaird.com to learn more. That's fhbaird.com. So if you need a financial advisor you can trust, call Kristen Hillsley at 610-238-6636. That's 610-238-6636. You're listening to another week of Women to Watch here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. My name is Sue Rocco, and I'm joined today by Tiffany Couch, the founder and CEO of Acuity Forensics. Uh, I would love to know, Tiffany, how you went from your love of English in school to uh, ending up in accounting. Um, yes, I, all of my English teachers told me I should be an English teacher, um, but I, I also liked business, and accounting, to me, was safe, safe zone. Um, I knew it was the language of business, and I figured, hmm, if I understood accounting, I could get a job anywhere, whether I was going to go live in the small town, which I knew I wouldn't, or whether I was going to live in a big city. In, in my young brain, I thought oh, that would be a safe p- a bet that I would always be able to be employable. Well, that's a good, that's a good wise decision. <laughs> yeah, very wise for a young person. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, tell me how mom and dad influenced the leader that you are today. What kind of messaging did you receive as a young girl um, that really kind of helped to build that confidence and, um, and your vision? Such a great question. And it's really something I've, I've, literally had to come to terms with over the years um, because I had one parent, uh, my dad, who said, you know what, you're from this small town. By the way, he was born and raised there, um, was the mayor of the town. Um, He was like, a girl from Corcoran can be the first president of the United States. She can fly to the moon. She can do whatever she wants, right? Mm. There, There was no limitation whatsoever in his mind about what his daughter could do. That's fantastic. It was fantastic, right? How lucky am I? Mm-hmm. I had a mother who's very, who, I, who I don't think likes herself very much, and so that just, um, that she put that on me, right? Mm-hmm. It was how I was always wrong. I was never good enough. I wasn't like my brother. My brother was a sports star, and, um, you know, I was more of a, I was a nerdy, bookish little girl who, you know, only had a few little friends, and I had gotten into some trouble as a high schooler, or not a high schooler, middle schooler, and that became, in her mind, who I was, right? The bad girl, she's never going to do anything right, um, and so I had this dichotomy of you're not good enough to you, the sky's the limit. Wow, wow. And um, you, it really made me mad for a long, long time, long, long time. And then I realized, well, gosh, dang it, uh, everything I did was to prove her wrong, right, and to prove my dad right. And, um, and without that, I don't think I'd be who I am. And so you really have to under uh, – I'm starting to come to terms with, oh, my gosh, the bad – that, that ugliness really did make me who I am, and I'm not like her, and that's that's pretty cool, right? That mm. I I use that to to um, probably go over the top a little bit in terms of my drive and and the, where I want to go in life, um, and so you've 
you've got to take the good with the bad. You know, that's so interesting because my very next question, um, and one that I ask often, you know, is to try to determine where that drive comes from. Um, Acuity Forensics is a three-time winner of the Vancouver Business Journal um, Growth Awards, and you've received multiple awards, including Accomplished and Under 40, which is always um, impressive. And I wanted to know where does that drive come from, which is separate from the growth of your company and Um, you're moving forward in your career. So have you had a turning point in your awareness of that, that drive, and kind of let it go? Uh, Oh, yes. And it's so interesting to me. About four years ago, I I thought uh, all kinds of stuff was going on, and I thought I cannot continue to be angry and mad and carry this around. There is nothing wrong with me, right? Um, And I have to let all of that anger go. And I will tell you that when I did that, my business grew exponentially. I I would say in terms of revenues and in terms of the kinds of clients I was receiving, it was as if letting go of all of that negativity created space for all so much goodness in my life to come in. And, and it's not just in my business, in my marriage and my relationship with my children. It was huge. Um, and it, it shows in terms of, of everything around me. And I am a huge believer that, um, you know, it's okay to not have those people in your life, but we can't always, uh, we can't carry around that negativity. And look what happens when you, when you let it go. It creates space for some pretty awesome things. Mm, so true. So did that, did someone encourage you to do that or did you figure that out on your own? To um, let my go husband, of the. Okay. No, my husband, he, it was my birthday, I think, and uh, he gave me a key, like on a keychain, or excuse me, on a necklace. And he wrote me the most beautiful letter, and he said, "This is you. You've got you've got this key to your life, and you've got to unlock all of this this sadness and all of this anger that you have, um, and you've got to let your mother go. And um, this is a key, and I want you to put it in your pocket, wear it around your heart, do whatever you got to do to know that I'm here, and you have a really remarkable life, and um, and." It, that was just sort of the catalyst for saying, yeah, he's right, mm, right? He's wow. totally right. I love that. And, you know, you just yeah. answered my question of who is someone in your life that has believed in you? Um, because I think when we, particularly when you struggle with someone that perhaps, you know, you don't see eye to eye, um, it's critical to have one person that sees, really sees you and believes um, that helps you on your path. And, and it sounds like that would be your husband. He's been he's been big. Uh, he was he's another person. We just celebrated our twenty first wedding anniversary. It's like some healthy part of me found a really great guy, you know. Yeah. Um, but we we can go all the way back to junior high to Mrs. Pierce and how wonderful she was in the school office. And we could go to high school and we can talk about Karen Sherwood, who was my my long term boyfriend's mother, who um who who said you know she just really love me. She loved me. She didn't have to love me. And in fact, she's still a dear, dear friend, even though I didn't marry her son. And so <laughs> we have to start thinking about 
all of these people and thanking all of these people who do help us on our path when other things, you know, aren't quite right Mm -hmm. in other areas. Yeah. And I would say that, you know, we talk about mentorship always on the show and mentors do not have to be colleagues or people that you work Mm -mm. with. Oftentimes it's 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 people that um, you meet in your personal life that that say something or do something for you. Correct. So true. Listen, we're going to take another break. And when we come back, I want to talk about your book, The Thief in Your Company. I'm talking to Tiffany Couch, and you're listening to Women to Watch. We'll be right back. Now, the Women to Watch, Legal Watch. Hi, this is Carol Weinman for Legal Watch. In the news this week, police used a stun gun on a 19-year-old man with autism. This young man was reported to the police for none other than throwing stones on his neighbor's lawn. The officer, convinced that the man was under the influence, attempted to conduct a sobriety test, but failed. Now why? Because the young man could not follow directions. Not because he chose not to, because he can't. So the officer proceeded to handcuff him, and the man became very agitated. So then the officer took out his stun gun and fired twice for five seconds each. Now, for someone with autism, that can feel like knives piercing through the pupils of his eyes. As I stated to the Texas Star-Telegram this week, officers must be trained to recognize those with autism. And I'm happy to be able to tell you that this is already starting to happen nationwide. However, most of the training isn't adequate nor enough in-depth. Situations involving individuals with autism differ. Sure, there are basic autism guidelines officers can use, but that's just not enough. The officers must better get it. That calls for intensive training by a trainer who can analyze autistic behavior and know how to specifically respond. So if you're looking for autism training or consultation, please contact me at autismlegal.com. Dot com. That's AutismLegal.com. The leading autism expert, attorney, and legal consultant, Carol Weinman, understands how to handle your legal needs. Weinman Law prides itself on keen judgment and unparalleled instinct. Weinman focuses on you, the client, as an individual with a very specific need, demanding her unique, one-of-a-kind expertise. Contact Weinman Law at 215-591-3614. That's 215-591-3614. Weinman Law, offering women and men nationwide expert representation and consultation. Since 1858, Mount St. Joseph Academy has been educating girls to be leaders, founders, and independent thinkers. Students are taught to be collaborative, courageous, compassionate, confident, and spiritual. In this student-centered environment, the young women are transformed by recognizing their own potential and are encouraged to use it to make a difference in the world. To learn more about Mount St. Joseph Academy, go to www.msjacad.org or call 215-233-3177. That's msjacad.org or 215-233-3177. Welcome back. You're 
listening to Women to Watch. My name is Sue Rocco, and I'm talking to Tiffany Couch today, the founder and CEO of Acuity Forensics. And um, Tiffany, you've written uh, several books, and one of them is The Thief in Your Company. And I would imagine that an important question for our listeners, um, particularly small businesses, mid-sized businesses, would be um, how to spot a thief in your company. Yes, so I am a non-traditional accountant. Even though I went into that safe zone, I completely got out of that and went into the totally unsafe zone of being a forensic accountant, which means, you know, hopefully I don't have the same client twice ever. Um, <laughs> and 100, 100% of what I do is investigate white-collar crime and, what, and people who steal typically from their employers. And um, what I what I teach people is I can teach you all day long about fraud and all of these all of these technical things. But here's the here's the bottom line: the people we love and trust the most are the ones stealing from my clients. Um, they they cannot even fathom that the person that I'm telling them is stealing from them, or who they find out is stealing from them, and then hire me is that person. And that's because. You know, business owners, whether you're um, a, a lawyer, a doctor, a, a plumber, an accountant, whomever, you're just so glad to have that person who can handle the books and the money and all of the things that you hate doing to run your business. Right. And who would we, we don't give that role to somebody we don't like or that we don't trust. Mm-hmm. And, and they use their ability to be liked and to be trusted to literally um, uh, benefit themselves. And, and the reason the book is called The Thief in Your Company is they're not only your employee, they're literally in your company. They're in your inner circle. Um, and uh, they're, they're, they're unfortunately so duplicitous. It's, it's truly a crime of a breach of trust. And um, it's all of that emotional stuff I have to deal with with my clients, too, um, in, in addition to investigating the crime and putting the case together. Yeah. And you've been involved in many, many cases. And, you know, everything from um, a little league treasurer, you know, who's yep. uh, skimming, cash skimming, to um, large companies um, that, that are dealing with fraud. One of the questions I had for you, do you... Is there um, a statistic around the difference between men and women and fraud? Are there more men or more women? Um, And do you think that part of the issue is that women are more trusting? Um, Do you see that being the case in some of of these cases? Sure. Um, You know, the statistics, if you look at the Association of Certified Fraud Examiners, say that men steal more um, in terms of frequency. And I told them I'm a very, you know, I'm deeply involved with the, the Association of Certified Fraud Examiners. And I was like, you know what, I think everybody who sits down to write the survey wants to tell, them, tell you guys about the biggest fraud. And, and what I find in my case, in my, if you look at the annals of the hundreds of cases I've looked at, the frequency with which uh, I investigate frauds, it's almost always women. Um, they're in, uh, you know, if you just walk into any doctor's office, lawyer's office, Almost all of those people who were managing the office or do, being the bookkeepers are women. Mm. And so the frequency is women. But the large cases, when I look at cases where there's millions of dollars missing, it's almost always the men. Mm. So uh, it's interesting to me where, you know, the women feel a few hundred thousand or several hundred thousand when I, every time I've investigated a man uh, perpetrating a fraud, we're, we're talking millions of dollars missing. 
Wow. Um, and I find that interesting. Yes, it is. And would you advise small business owners to manage their own books across the board? And, no, I do okay. not want them to manage their own books. I want them to do really s- simple things that are almost ridiculously um, uh, simple to to implement, but folks aren't doing it. It's as simple as have your bank statement and cancel check images mailed to you directly or mailed to your house. Um, 80% of all frauds are just people writing checks to themselves or using your debit card inappropriately. And if you just actually looked at your bank statement and canceled checks, you would find it the first time it happened. But with online banking and um, people being so busy, they don't do something as simple as a you know 10-minute scan of their bank statement. Same goes for credit card statement. Uh, I'm looking at a huge fraud right now where the nonprofit, nobody ever looked at the credit card statement. And see right on the front, Banana Republic and Victoria's Secret and all of these inappropriate charges that had nothing to do with the nonprofit. Mm. Um, and then the third one is just your, your basic, somebody's calling in payroll. Well, somebody needs to look at those payroll reports after they're already, um, after they're already done just to verify that the people people that you approved payroll for, that they're actually getting paid what you wanted, intended for them to get paid. Right. Um, so those three things for most small to even medium-sized businesses is probably 30 minutes or less a month mm-hmm. to look at those three items. And yet I walk in place after client after client, and it is not happening. Mm. And, you know, I'm guessing it's just the uh, the busyness of people today. They're so eager to just pass something off to someone um, in their office or company and not understanding that even someone that, that is trustworthy or I've heard stories of, you know, uh, men and women that have been with an organization for years and years and years and years, and it's been going on for such a long time. Yes, I, I can't tell you how many how many crimes I've looked at where it's gone. I've only been able to go back six or seven years, and the person worked there twenty. Yeah, and you know that you know it's been going on much longer than those six or seven years I looked at. Tiffany, do you um, offer your testimony, or do you just gather information, reports, and files, and and present that? Great question. I, I actually testify, and I have testified all over the United States. So, a big part of what I do um, is is to you know testify when necessary. Okay, because I was you know wondering, in my mind, the work that you do is a lot of research and looking at numbers and reports, and you know, for some of us, <laughs> that's you know uh, that would be my worst nightmare: numbers and reports <laughs> and trying to make sense of it. Um, so is it still exciting to you after all these years, the work that you do and, and what part of it, you know, excites you? Uh, that's a great question. So, um, you know, I've always said my job is to make the numbers uh, simple. So folks like you who get discombobulated with the numbers can make informed decisions, whether you're a judge or a jury or a lawyer. Um, and so I really love that part of my job. Um, but I will tell you that as I um, – 
and I'm, I'm very good at forensic accountant. I love it. But what I really love to do is speak and teach on this subject and watch people's uh, light bulbs go on. I teach auditors and other folks about some of the human side of these crimes and, and what they can do different to help root it out. I absolutely love speaking to industry groups and uh, showing um, business owners how they can do things really differently in their business, but really simply uh, to, to mitigate this risk. Um, and, and I love helping people through the emotional impacts. Um, so it still excites me, but I will say, um, you know, I'm, I'm training others to do the work behind the desk so that I can do more of the speaking and teaching. Oh, that's great. So you're, you really have a mix of uh, day-to-day uh, tasks. Can you tell me what has surprised you most about the emotional toll that it takes on these business owners or leaders? You know, I learned it really early on where I had a huge case. It was a man who stole over $2 million from my client, and uh, my client was a farmer. And remember where I grew up, right? I grew up in a farm town. Mm. And and this guy, I, I stare and told him, no, I, this is not a loan. This is a fraud, and here's why. And he started crying. And I'm sitting there as a very young woman going, uh, nobody ever taught me how to deal with somebody crying at work, especially a man. And he's a farmer, and farmers don't cry. I mean, farmers don't even cry at funerals, right? right. So right. this was just a really crazy thing. And mm. um, he sat there, and I, he said, what are you telling me? So I was a CPA, and I went to CPA mode and tried to tell him about the numbers again. And he stopped me, and he said, no, what are you saying? You're saying if Dave can steal a million dollars from me and you're not even done yet, how do I trust my wife? You oh, don't understand. Wow. We went to church together. We, you know, mm. And so I realized really early on this has nothing to do with the money. It has everything to do with the breach of trust. Mm. And I saw those reactions not only from small business owners but to the CEOs of publicly traded companies too. Wow, that's amazing. Um, Listen, we're going to take another quick break, and I will be back with Tiffany Couch, the founder and CEO of Acuity Forensics. We'll be right back. Women to Watch. Leadership Watch. Hi, I'm Holly Dowling, your Leadership Watch expert, and I'm excited today to give you some nuggets of wisdom around leadership globally. So one of the biggest questions I get asked, and working with leaders around the world, I hear this everywhere. The biggest question asked is, what's the secret to getting my team engaged? It's always about engagement, 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 whether it's how to get my teams engaged or how to get my people engaged, or even furthermore, how do I get my culture to be a culture of engagement? And I have to share with you, as simple as this is going to be, it's quite profound. So having interviewed thousands and thousands of leaders around the world, people are always looking for the secret sauce. What is the definition of engagement? And here's the good news. You don't even need to write this down. You want to drive engagement on your teams, your people, and your organizations. What they need from you is simple, and it's this. They are screaming. They need to know. Know me, care about me, and pay attention to me. 
know me, care about me, and pay attention to me. And leaders, if you really want to take leadership to the next level, it's time to stop worrying about you and how you're leading because what they need from you more than anything is to focus on them. Know me, know my strengths, know my gifts, know my talents, know why you hired me to begin with. Care about me. Actually care about me as a person. Know me as a person, not just a knowledge bank. And pay attention to me. Know how to get the best out of me. What are my triggers? Know when you're going to get the best out of me for performance. Is it morning or afternoon? Know how to give me the right praise and recognition. You see, every human being is driven by a different need and a need of significance and appreciation. Do you know? what it is that makes each individual tick. So please, to learn more, reach out to me. Love to hear from you at hollydowling.com. is Holly Dowling. Holly is a dynamic keynote speaker and inspirational thought leader. You see what we have the ability to do and the power we have. You hold the power for good. Each and every one of us can do something. Holly has inspired millions around the world, including over 500,000 executives, and her show is listened to in 87 countries. Now we're going to spend 25 minutes on your areas of opportunity. Listen to our internationally acclaimed podcast, A Celebration of You, Holly Dowling, empowering those who can change the world. HollyDowling.com. Welcome back to the show. Sue Rocco here talking to Tiffany Couch, the founder and CEO of Acuity Forensics. And I wonder, Tiffany, if you can tell me in all of these cases, and you continue to do this work, um, what can continues to surprise you, if anything, um, about the people that are involved? What continues to surprise me is when my clients know there's something wrong, and they know not just for a day or two, sometimes they know for a week, sometimes a month, sometimes years, and they're so afraid to say something or look at something for fear, which sounds crazy, for fear of offending the very person who's stealing from them, right? Mm -hmm. It's their money, it's their business, and yet they're afraid uh, to go ask that person for a bank statement. Well, she's going to think that I'm checking up on her. I can't do that. They're afraid to ask her a question. Well, she's going to be offended that I don't trust her. And so it, it, it's heartbreaking and shocking all at the same time that my client's will defer to, oh, well, everything must be okay, even though they know all the way deep down in their gut that it's not. Do you think that's because then you're admitting um, that you have somehow, I don't want to say the word failed, but it's an admission that you... Contributed to this, right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I do. I do think there's, because, remember, fraud is a crime of a breach of trust. That's so right. What's, and this is what Farmer Gary told me. Tiffany, what's wrong with me that I hired Dave 20 years ago? What's wrong with me that I've trusted him all this time? What's wrong with me? And if I, could, if I had money for every client who said the words, what's wrong with me that, um, I'm telling you, it's every single time. And so it's absolutely that um, I don't want to admit there's something wrong with me. And in reality, there's nothing wrong with them, right? Half my job is telling people there's nothing wrong with you. They used their ability to be liked and to be trusted to do this to you. 
Um, and it's, it's, it's very, it's a heartbreaking kind of, um, thing to deal with, especially Mm. in a a professional setting. And it's surprising to me as well. I would imagine that the first emotion would be anger. Um, but yet they're turning it. Not always. Yeah. Yeah. The anger comes later. The anger always comes later. The anger comes when they have clarity around what's going on and then I can show it to them in plain, plain as day. Then they get mad. What is the most challenging part of your job, the toughest thing for you? Um, I want to make people feel better, um, and I can't, right? I can go and tell them exactly what's gone on. I can hand them Kleenex, and I can give them context that all of their emotional feelings are normal, uh, but I can't fix it right away. I can only just tell them, listen, this is going to be a process. It's going to be months and years even, and you're going to get through this, and you're going to be okay but understand all of this is normal. And even though I might be able to put Humpty Dumpty back together again in terms of the numbers and the accounting and the books and records, um, I can't fix that other part, right? And, and um, oh, I wish I could. <laughs> uh, you know, so you're really a psychologist and a forensics accountant. Oh, so tr- Yes, I wish I had <laughs> Have a you taken any degree. courses? <laughs> <laughs> Only the ones I needed to in college. Um, but I've always said that I need a psychology degree in addition to my, into my, my accounting degree because it, a lot of what I do is, is the emotional part. Yeah. It's, well, not, and you, it's totally you, unexpected. Right. And you so clearly have empathy for your clients. And so I think that, you know, it's just so ironic to me, you know, the work that you're doing, and then there's this whole emotional component that you absolutely have to deal with because you're face-to-face with these clients and giving them this information. Correct. And and in my professional opinion, I can still be be empathetic and I can be human and I can still have all the professional – skepticism and professional responsibilities I have, but I can still be human, right? And I don't, I don't have to let the empathy get in the way of what my job is. Um, I can still do both. And I think it's really important to do so. And I find that the more empathetic I am, guess what happens? They start opening up and they start giving me information for my case. And then I go, oh, you mean she had access to X, Y, and Z? Mm. You mean we don't just have a payroll problem? We might have other problems somewhere else. And, and I really think that dealing with the empathy actually also helps me get clues for my work. Are you one of the few women in this industry? There are very few of us nationwide who do solely forensic accounting, especially as sole proprietors. Um, And I can probably count on one hand those of us who've been in the business, you know, 10 years or more. Um, So there's very few of us. Uh, who have done this sort of specialty outside of a traditional CPA firm and are, have done it, um, you know, for quite a long time. Was there ever an instance where you felt you were treated differently or unfairly because you were a woman? Oh, yes. Um, it's ha- I, I once had a, a male uh, boss tell me a, um, an effing little girl shouldn't be in this business right? That, um, you know, this was a man's job and men should only do this. And I thought, well, um, maybe he's right. And then I thought, well, no, he's not right. Because how many lawyers and how many business owners are women and need somebody like me who can help them? And they don't need some guy like that, right? And so uh, I tend to have this tendency of if you, if you have that 
perspective like he did. Um, and I've had lawyers, I'm pretty sure, who haven't hired me because I'm a woman. That's okay because that's their perspective. That has nothing to do with me. And I've got plenty of work and plenty of great clients. And um, we'll just redirect. Mm. Um, well, you're proving, really yeah, the, you're proving them wrong yeah. with the success of your company, for sure. Right. Correct. So, yeah, you know, I I think it's – I think – your story is inspirational on so many levels, Tiffany, and I, you know, I so appreciate your um, candor at the beginning of the show talking about your personal challenges and how you really turned that around and became confident in your leadership position, in the ownership of your company, and in the work that you're doing. You're helping a lot of people. Thank you. Thank you. Real quick, we have just a few seconds left. Any advice for anyone who's listening and wanting to enter the field, a woman? Sure. Um, Get some great training under somebody who really knows what they're doing. And um, if you want to go out and and go for it, go for it. Um, But also understand it is a really difficult road. Um, in terms of litigation and lawyers and and all of that, um, but stay the course. Uh, It's manageable and doable, and we need more people doing great work like this. Terrific. Great advice. Thank you so much, Tiffany. I appreciate your joining us today on um, what I'm sure is a busy day and for sharing your story. Thank you so much, Sue. Have a great day. You too. That's it, everyone, for another week of Women to Watch, where we share the real story behind her title here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Make it a great week. This program is a paid commercial announcement and in no way represents the views of WPHT or its management. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working... The HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.